Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, to wrap up Older Americans Month in May, the conversation none of us wants to have, but that all of us need to have. We'll speak with the author of The Journey's End. Also this morning, looking for a summer travel destination that's jam-packed with fun, but not with people? Arkansas could be the perfect spot for your next adventure. City of Findlay Parks and Recreation Department has a summer full of free programs for all ages to keep active, keep healthy. We'll get details. And from country barns to city charms, we have details on June happenings from the Hancock Historical Museum. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, May 31st, 2023. back after uh, kind of an extended Memorial Day weekend, took a little extra uh, time off and uh, was very good. Hope you had a a good Memorial Day weekend. As expected, millions of Americans took to the skies, uh, as did I. I was actually very surprised how smooth things went when I was uh, when I was at the airport this weekend. Um, And it was kind of interesting because uh flew to uh, Florida. Um me and a buddy of mine we went to uh, Florida uh for a uh, for a long weekend. Flew out of Dayton, which I've I've never flown out of Dayton before. Uh and boy, easy to uh, to fly out of there was like nobody. Uh Dayton very small airport in uh, in Dayton, so no issues there. And then coming back uh, through Orlando, uh, it was maybe the easiest. If you've ever flown, you know, if you've ever gone to Disney, you know the Orlando airport can be just a madhouse. And I was expecting, you know, Memorial Day weekend, it was going to be crazy. But uh, it was maybe the quickest I've gotten through security and, you know, everything at the uh, Orlando airport. And that's just my personal experience. I don't know what your experience may have been uh, there or wherever you went. If you happen to fly uh, over the weekend, but uh, I was actually very impressed uh, that it went uh, so so smoothly because um, last year it was a complete mess. Memorial Day weekend, some seven thousand flights were canceled, airports were clogged, travelers were stranded. Um, this year. Uh, the TSA said they screened 12,444,304 people between Thursday and Monday. That is actually higher than the numbers, Memorial Day numbers pre-pandemic. In fact, the TSA screened a quarter million more people uh, over the Memorial Day holiday than it did in 2019. A quarter million more people flew this Memorial Day weekend than in 2019. Uh, so, uh, largely a uh, a pretty snafu-free weekend. There were some carriers didn't even cancel a single flight. So, I think uh, just a handful of flights all in all. Very, very smooth weekend all the way around. Um, by the way, speaking of flying, I thought this was kind of interesting story on the, uh, on the newswire. Uh, the next time you fly, you may have to weigh in first. You know, they, they weigh your bags at the airport. What if they weighed you? Uh, Air New Zealand is going to be testing the waters as they start rolling out a system to help get the weights of passengers in order to gather data on how much aircrafts can hold. And honestly, I've been, I've long been surprised that they don't weigh passengers uh, when they weigh your bags because planes can only take off with so much weight on board. And the way they calculate that is by taking averages. They take the average weight of, you know, the average male and average female they know how many males and females are on the on the flight and so they add up the averages but what if you have you know a lot of exceptionally large people uh on the uh, on the flight or exceptionally small people or um you know the averages 
are not always necessarily accurate. And they need that because not only can planes take off with only so much weight, but it also has to be balanced properly uh, on board the plane. The airline says uh, this new measure will be implemented to balance the load of the aircraft better and passengers can opt out if they don't feel comfortable sharing their weight. It's not like they're going to you know, put it up on the screen for everyone in the airport to see. It'll just you know, be calculated into the uh, computer. An Air New Zealand employee uh, tells reporters, we weigh everything that goes on the aircraft from the cargo to the meals on board. So it only makes sense to uh, weigh the passengers. So we'll see if there's uh, any pushback uh, to that. By the way, speaking of flights uh, this weekend, uh, did you happen to see this story? Oh, my goodness. Southwest Airlines. Um, no, they didn't have a, a meltdown. As a matter of fact, one pilot, particularly resourceful, so that his flight did not get canceled, actually had the pilot had to crawl through the cockpit window after a passenger accidentally closed and locked the the door to the cockpit. <laughs> it was a flight from San Diego to Sacramento last week. A passenger on the loading bridge snapped a photo of the pilot squeezing himself through the window of the plane uh, during boarding. This was last Wednesday. A ground crew member had managed to jimmy the window open um, so that the pilot could get in because apparently while they were boarding, somebody bumped the door to the cockpit. You know, post 9-11, those cockpit doors shut and they're locked. They had locked themselves out of the cockpit. (laughs) So kudos to that resourceful uh, pilot. I don't have his name, um, but uh, the witness told local news or the person who caught it on video said it was all done incredibly efficiently. And believe it or not, the uh, flight was only eight minutes late. Despite all of the uh, craziness there, they were only... Like eight minutes late getting off the ground. So kudos to uh, Southwest. Again, they've had some issues <laughs> with their flights uh, last summer. And, of course, you remember over the Christmas holiday, uh, that's one way to redeem yourself, certainly. Minds of uh, passengers going above and beyond. <laughs> Must have been quite a sight. Uh, let's see here. I talk about summer travel this seems like the sort of thing that maybe they should have told us about before memorial day weekend before people you know went off to florida to the beaches Hmm. beachgoers in south florida being warned about a flesh-eating pathogen that has arrived on shore at many popular beaches the bacteria mixes with other debris that allows it to eat away at the flesh of humans and animals who get near it. The mixture of pathogens causes leaky gut syndrome and is spread across beaches in South Florida due to the bacteria hitching a ride on the swaths of sargassum seaweed. So then as the seaweed decays, a foul odor blankets the beach and the bacteria spreads across sandy shores where people get infected with tainted surfaces and can face diarrhea, stomach cramps, vomiting, fever, chills, ear infections, and uh, uh, skin infections, wound infections. So, boy, that does that does sound like that. Let's go to... South, that's the part that they don't tell you about in the tourist brochures for South Florida. They don't... <laughs> they don't tell you about that part, but do beware... Great timing on that. I mean, that's exactly what they don't need, right? At the height of uh, tourist season, yeah. Although for South Florida, tourist season, the height of tourist season, I don't know that it's necessarily the summer. It's like winter and maybe spring, spring break, obviously. But winter times when people like to go to South Florida. So summertime is not necessarily the worst time that that would be, I guess. And uh, speaking of travel... A crazy sight that you um, very rarely see will happen again in Manhattan, in New York City, 
tonight. If you have never seen this, it is Manhattan Hinge. Which, Manhattan Hinge, yeah. Um, you're familiar with Stonehenge. This is Manhattan Menge. Uh, it is an unforgettable spectacle at sunset. It only happens four days out of the year. It happened on Monday. Apparently, it's going to happen again today. Why it didn't happen yesterday, I'm not sure, but it happens on Monday. It happens today. It'll happen two days in mid-July, um, where the setting sun lines up perfectly with the east-west cross streets of Manhattan. And it uh, apparently is just a spectacular view, but it only lasts about a minute or so. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, the astrophysicist, came up with the term Manhattan Hinge, and he says to get the best photos, find a spot as far east as possible that still has views uh, from across the uh, Hudson uh, views of New Jersey from across the Hudson River, and you can see the sunset line up with the buildings in the east-west uh, cross streets of Manhattan. Manhattan Hinge happens today. So if you've ever wanted to see that, I didn't even know that was a thing, but that's actually pretty cool. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected again today with a high reaching the upper 80s. Just a few clouds tonight, a low in the mid-60s. The Ohio State Highway Patrol says traffic fatalities increased over the Memorial Day weekend this year on Ohio roadways. The Highway Patrol says 23 people were killed in crashes on Ohio roadways during the Memorial Day weekend. That's an increase of five from last year. In addition, troopers made nearly 400 impaired driving arrests, 233 drug arrests, and issued nearly 2,800 safety belt citations. Troopers also completed more than 2,100 motorist assists. You can see the full statewide breakdown of data with this story on our website. Finley City Schools has launched a new district website. Communications Director Kelly Cheney. We have a new website that makes it easier and quicker to access information. This platform supports features for mass communication directly to our families via text message and emails. News and announcements will be updated on this website and so will important alert. She says the district will be launching a new mobile app soon as well. Get more on the website. The sun's rays will be at their strongest over the next few weeks, and an Ohio doctor has some safety tips. A dermatologist from the Ohio State University's Wexner Medical Center says keeping your skin safe starts with applying sunscreen the right way. They assume they can just apply it when they're already at their activity or they're already at the pool or the beach, but you actually have to apply it about 10 to 15 minutes beforehand. You also have to remember to reapply every two to three hours. You can also add to the protection of the sunscreen with what you wear, including wide-brim hats, long sleeves, and light-colored clothing. I'm Tracy Townsend. The Hancock County Engineer's Office says it's been informed by CSX that some railroad crossings will be closed for about a week for general maintenance. The crossings are on Hancock County Road 257 and Washington Township Roads 261, 262, and 272 and will be closed until approximately Friday. Drivers are advised to use alternate routes and use caution if traveling in the area. The City of Finley previously said that it's been in contact with CSX to repair the 6th Street, 2nd Street, and Bigelow Avenue crossings with that work to happen in June. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, not to be a Debbie Downer as we close out Older Americans Month in May, but an eye-opening new book exposes a sad truth about the way many of us will spend our final days mired with invasive and unproductive procedures instead of receiving the kind of care that most of us would really want, the kind that ensures comfort and quality time with our loved ones. And the author knows what he's talking about. He is the CEO emeritus of one of the nation's largest and most respected health systems, Mercy Health. Michael Conley is his name, and the book is The Journey's End, an Investigation into Death and Dying in Modern America. And Michael, again, a light and cheery subject to talk about, but that that is actually kind of part of the problem, right? That we just don't talk about this and communicate with others about what we want when the time comes. 
Well, that is the uh, essence of the issue. Um, we all are afraid of dying. And um, I'm afraid of dying. You are. Everybody is. Yeah. Even your doctors are afraid of you dying and them dying. And, and so it is a topic that um, none of us wish to discuss. However, uh, it is perhaps one of the most important events of our life. And um, learning how to understand and use healthcare in old age um, is important because healthcare views dying as failure. And when you are old and frail, dying may beat being attached to a machine in ICU. Mm-hmm. Um, but the healthcare system will do a poor job of informing you about the opportunity to die at home with your family. Um, and it's not that they're against it. It's just, they weren't trained to, um, use that format to yeah. take care of you. So, so what is, because what, one of the, one of the biggest indictments in, in the book, it seems is, uh, in the healthcare system that is at its most dysfunctional when it comes to end of life care. So what differentiates the U S health systems approach from other systems around the world? Well, I, I think that, um, there are, uh, Several. One, the insurance and the reimbursement formulas used in the U.S. Uh, actually discourage the use of uh, dying at home. So, for example, uh, hospice is uh, discouraged in the system uh, because a doctor has to certify you're going to die in six months. Well, no doctor wants to certify or even tell you you're going to die in six months. Yeah. Uh, the second thing about hospice is that it uh, it makes you drop your regular Medicare coverage and go into just the hospice benefit. And so individuals don't want to give up uh, trying to cure themselves. Um, but the truth is that once they have hospice, they no longer keep trying to cure themselves. So letting them have both options, both curative care and hospice care, um, ends up benefiting them, but the insurance doesn't allow that. Is, is, that, a, is that a cost thing? I mean, because it, it's really, I, I guess, a well-documented fact, I think many people know this, that uh, those support services for those who are uh, in their final stage – um, are much less expensive than many of the uh, perhaps futile procedures that you talk about in the book, uh, ostensibly that would extend life. So why is it that the same insurance companies that hold so much sway over who gets treatment and at what what costs are always looking to cut costs, um, why are they uh, so hesitant to turn to these support services that are actually less expensive? Um, actually, I find it irrational myself. It's kind of common sense. Yet, uh, there is a, uh, the logic is that um, if they're going to give you extra insurance in effect for uh, being cared for at home, they don't want you to also have the ability to run back and start using the healthcare system. Hmm. Um, now, but that's a flawed logic because what the evidence shows, and there have been tests of this uh, through actually Medicare ran an innovation project on this. If you let the patient have both choices simultaneously, they quickly stop going back to the hospital because they get nothing there. They enjoy yeah. And they very much enjoy the care they're getting at home. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is uh, the insurance makes an assumption that uh, is false, that you will try to maximize using both, which is not what happens. Yeah. You also point out that medical professionals are often pressured into prescribing medications or performing and or performing procedures uh, that they know are likely or certainly a waste of time and money. 
And so there are two forces that uh, cause that to happen. One is uh, families that don't want to lose. I mean, there's that common phrase, do everything you can. Right. Uh, for my father or mother. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, that's almost the worst thing you could say. <laughs> because yeah. everything you can in modern healthcare is pretty bad. Right. Because they, what you don't understand is that they're not going to get better. They're not going to leave ICU, mm-hmm. but everything they can is, uh, basically a lot of torture. Yeah. Uh, but, but the family doesn't want to lose mom. And, they don't want to lose dad. And there's always something more to do. Even if again, uh, the medical professionals know the doctors know that it's not going to make a difference. That's correct. And then there's the second problem, which is malpractice. Yeah. So the doctor uh, will feel that if any member of the family wants everything done, they have no choice but to do everything. And um, you can talk to almost any doctor and you will find that uh, families, notoriously, there's always one member that wants everything done. Yeah. Um, I, I, I also wonder to what extent does the, does simply the billing system contribute to this problem where uh, people are just so overwhelmed, not just by all of the options, all of the procedures, all of the back and forth, but just the billing system itself. Um, that is uh, a very insightful question. Um, and the, it, it does because the billing system only pays the doctor to do what it can measure. And, mm. um, one of the most important things that a doctor can do for you is talk with you, understand what you want, spend time with you. And today the billing system pretty much precludes the doctor from having an extended conversation with well, you. Well, that and the fact that there uh, is a shortage of uh, doctors. Uh, I mean, we know that the medical industry is uh, really squeezed in terms of having enough people to treat all the people who need to be treated. And uh, that one of the reasons there's a shortage is that same billing system. Because <laughs> so it's that, all circular. Billing system, it is. That billing system causes the doctor to spend 50% of their time on administrative paperwork, mostly around the billing. And uh, they have no choice. I mean, that's yeah. just the reality of, of the situation. Yeah. And so they went into the profession thinking they were going to spend time and talking with patients and caring for patients. And mm-hmm. what they're doing is filling in medical records and coding and doing all these other tasks, yeah. which they don't very rewarding. Yeah, you, the second is the shortages tend to be in the specialties where more conversation is needed. Yeah, that's so a good point too. You have, yeah. you have a shortage mostly in primary care. That's the worst shortage. And and that's because they are paid poorly because their work is basically talking with you. Yeah. So and and so that's so, the shortage. Yeah. So in the book, in the journey's end you are urging everyone who is, you know, getting on in years, who are getting uh, up there to develop what you call death literacy. And again, that's kind of a, a, a term that may shock the senses. But what exactly does that mean and, and how do we do that? So um, it begins with accepting, which is a very hard thing to do, that we are going to die. Yeah. And. And uh, so one one question I always like people to at least think about is to uh, ask themselves, am I old enough to die? There may be some point when you're living where you say, I've, I've done everything I want to do. I'm not really able to do anything that I want to do anymore. And, and so at that point, you don't really need to keep getting active medical treatment. And, and, and so we feel we're obligated to keep getting medical treatment. We've been trained to do that our whole lives. We're, you know, we're, we're getting, you know, colonoscopies in our eighties. I mean, as yeah. one author put it, she, she said, I'm old enough that I don't want to know about anything that's wrong with me that doesn't uh, affect my active health. Yeah. 
I'm not, I'm not going to go looking for stuff. And, and so I, I think that the literacy begins with um, understanding that you're not obligated to have everything medicine has to offer in old age. Hmm. The second is to realize that what they do have to offer diminishes in value, meaning that most or virtually all treatments were developed and tested on younger people. And they decline in value of, of effectiveness as you get old and frail. So, uh, you know, the doctor will recommend a treatment, but you have to understand that there are going to be more complications and less effectiveness from it if you are very old and frail. Yeah. Um, one of the most interesting things uh, that I think reflects on this point is that doctors themselves, when viewed as patients, are the lowest users of healthcare at the end of life. Hmm. And what I think that illustrates is that they are the most informed mm -hmm. about how effective those treatments are. Yeah. And it, they choose not to have them. Yeah, where, where you reach that point of diminishing return and where that, that balance uh, tips... Uh, in the favor of letting nature take its course, as they say. Again, Michael Conley is uh, author of The Journey's End, an investigation into death and dying in modern America. It is a really interesting book, at times difficult book, but very necessary book as well. Uh, Michael, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. You're very welcome, Chris. Well, summer vacation season has arrived, and uh, it's kind of a series that we've got going on here in the program uh, with uh, different ideas, uh, vacation ideas and so on. If you're really kind of stumped as to what you want to do uh, with the family or, or just, you know, your own uh, getaway, uh, if you are an adventuresome type, anything from hiking to rock climbing to whitewater rafting, it might surprise you to learn that Arkansas may be the perfect place to visit. Uh, joining us this morning is uh, Travis Knapper from Arkansas Tourism. What is it that makes Arkansas such a great destination for adventure travel, Travis? Well, good morning, Chris. Thank you for having me. Uh, as far as what makes it so good, uh, first and foremost, I think it's just the year-round nature we can provide uh, with the weather, and the climate we have is never going to be too cold or too warm to stop you from any of the activities. Um, we think that is a tremendous, tremendous advantage we have over other great outdoor states that sometimes, you know, get too hot or sometimes, you yeah. know, some activities are blocked out because of snow for many, many months. We're able to do it every day of the year here. Well, that is certainly, that is certainly true. And it says here that Arkansas is actually the mountain biking capital of the world, which, again, might surprise some folks. How did that happen? Well, uh, ultimately, it goes back to partnerships. Uh, starts with uh, the Walton Family Foundation and many communities around our state that decided, let's take uh, you know, our greatest natural resource, our natural beauty here, the mountains we have, and let's build intentional, progressive trails, world-class here in our state. Uh, and we've done that in many locations, and the results have been great already. People have been coming, and we've built a true reputation. And it goes back to that year-round ability to do this, yeah. uh, where you can compete with some other states that have it. We can do it all, all year round here. Now, uh, that's not the only uh, activity, obviously. Uh, lots of things for lots of people of all ages. What are some of the other experiences that people might want to take in in Arkansas? Well, when you're talking about the outdoors still, and it, like this could be for a family, for beginner level, or it could be to the most extreme and everywhere in between. Uh, but I start with hiking. It's one of my favorite things. We're, I'm, I'm, right now, I'm in Pinnacle Mountain State Park. Uh, not far from our house, and we love to come hike to uh, the point there. Uh, mountain biking, we talked about, is huge. Floating of our rivers and our streams and our lakes, whether that be on a raft, a canoe, uh, kayak, and stand-up paddle boarding. Uh, fishing. Fishing and hunting is full-class trout fishing here. 
world-class duck hunting. Um, I think you might've mentioned mountain climbing. We mm-hmm. have that, uh, wildlife watching so many in the outdoor things. But one thing that we talk about a lot is our proximity from those things out in nature to our city cultural centers and being able to match it up with great culinary experiences, art experiences and museums and history as well is a great compliment to what we offer uh, as a natural state. Yeah. Now, are there uh, certain specific uh, parks or regions or trails that you would recommend, especially maybe for somebody who is discovering Arkansas for the first time? Where would you tell people to start? And two, two that I would give as primary great start starting points, and that would be that would be the Oz Trail system up in the Ozarks, northwest Arkansas. Okay, a, a very diverse trail system, uh, and a lot of them woven in right into the community. So you're never too far from a restaurant, a shop, your lodging opportunity. The others are our monument trails that are in our state parks. They were recently named by Outside Magazine as. Uh, the best mountain biking destination in the country. So we're super excited about that. But they can be found in four different state parks across uh, the state and offer a variety of different styles of riding, whether that be more cross-country style or extreme downhill uh, and everywhere in between. Uh, those are two great places to start. Again, Travis Napper is with Arkansas Tourism, uh, talking about the hidden gems of Arkansas Again, someplace that maybe might not have been necessarily on your radar, but you might want to look at, take a second look at when you're planning your uh, summer getaway or really any time of the year, as, as you were mentioning, Travis. I mean, it is a, a year-round destination. Where do we get more information? I would point your listeners to Arkansas.com. It's a one-stop source, uh, kind of the hub of all the information, whether it be all this we talked about with outdoor recreation, uh, but also for the, the, the cultural experience, the more urban experience. And uh, you can curate a, a great adventure out of that. And that's one thing we talk about. We create lasting memories through adventure here. And, but we know adventure sometimes means a world-class rapids or mountain biking experience, or it could be trying a new food experience or learning about a new culture in one of our museums or restaurants. So we believe you can find all that there at Arkansas.com. Travis, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. My pleasure, Chris. Thank you for having us. Well, summer has arrived, and the City of Findlay Parks and Recreation Department has a summer full of free programs planned for all ages to keep active, keep healthy. Recreation Manager Lisa Mansfield is uh, with us in the studio this morning. Um, what I re- love about this is uh, it, there's every one of them is different. Uh, I've already done a couple of these yes, uh, in, in the month of May, uh, but we've got them uh, coming up in, in June, July, August, September as well. Two a month yes. is kind of the goal. And, yes. And uh, every one of them is different. Yes. Yeah. So what it is is we, you know, we, we try to utilize uh, what we have. Uh, you know, and we have great parks throughout the city. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people don't realize how many different parks we yeah. have. Um, so if you look at our schedule, you know, we have something scheduled at all of the different parks throughout town. Yeah, and that's the other thing yeah. is that it's not a not only a great way of keeping people active and getting people out of doors and moving and, and all of that, but it spotlights every yeah. single one of the parks. Right, it showcases all of our different parks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other benefit is is, you know, so not every kid has the opportunity to be able to just say, hey, mom, dad, can you take me here? You mm-hmm. know, sometimes they, they have to play in the neighborhood that they're at. Right. Uh, so what we do is we bring those activities right into their neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, so it's within walking distance of their homes. Right. You know, just trying to make it that we can reach as many people as possible throughout the entire city. You know, yeah. I mean, it's easy to look at Emory Adams or, or the Diamonds and, and the, the great huge playgrounds yeah. and Riverside. Uh, but this is a way to, to be able to take some different activities into some of those different neighborhoods that don't don't necessarily always get to have those types of things happen. Exactly. So uh, we showcase uh, all of the different parks, all the different recreation areas, and different things that people can try out maybe that they've never done before. Uh, now, here's here's one. The next one coming up, uh, which is what, next week? Yes. Uh, is putt-putt. And I think we've yeah. all done putt-putt. Right, but, right. But, you know. 
Yeah, but what this is, is it's just we we have we have literally a portable putt putt course uh, that's a nine hole that you can set up and it has uh, little obstacles that the kids have to hit around and there's little little things in the you know obstacles built into the actual uh, tray itself that they have to hit, you know, just kind of like the bunkers and different different things that, yeah. that you're used to seeing. Uh, but we have all of the, the putters and the balls and, and this portable course that, that we can literally take anywhere and set it up. So that'll be out of the All-Star play, uh, Playground on uh, North Main Street, yep. uh, which yep. uh, that is uh, relatively new. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe some folks haven't been there before. Yeah, so so the All-Star Playground is actually the one that is in front of the diamonds, yeah. uh, just off to the side of, of the cube. So if mm-hmm. you're familiar with the ice rink or, or the ball diamonds you might have seen it as you drive by uh, out there but maybe haven't visited right you know but there's a nice open space there so it's a good spot to set it up and you know we thought you know this might be a perfect opportunity for the siblings of the kids who are already going to be at the fields playing ball there you go you know sometimes they get a little bored they're looking for something different to do we thought this is a perfect opportunity to get them something else they can do very cool that the parents can focus on who's playing and they can go over and play a little putt putt (laughs) so uh that'll be on june 6th and then a little bit later in the month of june a foot golf uh event at bernard park yeah yeah so foot golf uh is a variation of soccer and golf okay uh so the holes uh we have these uh temporary holes that are bigger uh that you actually have to you know similar to golf where you tee off from a certain spot and you Mm -hmm. try to get it into the hole okay uh you're teeing off you're kicking a soccer ball versus hitting with a club and a golf ball okay uh so you know for me anyway that's much safer um yes, me too <laughs> and again uh bernard park that's on the uh, 21st and then uh, a couple events in july as well yes yeah so we got the volleyball at west park we have a portable uh portable net that we can take out there and set up okay uh you know that park's got some great open space so we thought that'd be a perfect opportunity to to take that out there set it up a lot of neighborhood kids out there they they uh they come and a couple, you see three or four kids and they're like, what are you guys doing? Next thing you know, they ride off on their bikes and they come back and there's 12, 15 kids. Yeah, and I would imagine that's uh, the case for a lot of these yeah. uh, things yeah. too. That, uh, you yeah. know, it starts with uh, just a few people and then it grows and grows. Yes, so that's absolutely. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, on the 26th of July yes. is uh, the next one after that. Yeah. So the volleyball is on the 11th and mm-hmm. the... Human foosball. Yes. Yes. <laughs> July 26th. So, you know, we, we constantly are looking for new ideas. And, uh, you know, we get catalogs throughout the year and uh-huh. we kind of flip through them. It's like, oh, hey. And uh, both of uh, the assistant supervisor, Kristen Buck, and myself, we, we were flipping through this catalog and I was like, you got to look at this. It's pretty <laughs> cool. I said, I think we can make this. So it actually, you know, just like your regular foosball table that, that okay. you see in, in restaurants and in different places. Right. Um, we're going to do that full size. Uh, so okay. using pop-up okay. soccer goals uh, and, and PVC pipe where you have people that stand space so far apart and, <laughs> and they have to hold the pipe and shift together back and forth to be able to kick the ball into the goal. That'll be fun. So we, uh, we're really looking forward to that. That's- uh, should be a lot yeah, of fun yeah that is at emory adams on the 26th yes. and uh then in august uh again this may be more kind of traditional stuff yeah uh wiffle yeah. ball you'll be doing uh organizing a wiffle ball game at, at the miracle field yes. on the 8th yep. and flag football at eagle creek part on the park on the 30th yes yep yep uh, and then get into the month of September, still a lot of nice weather and uh, a couple of things uh, in the month of September as well. Yeah, more of the, more of the traditional, uh, you know, disc golf. We have that nice park at Firestein. Uh, but, you know, we, we partner with the, uh, the folks from the disc golf organization and they'll actually come out with discs and, and show people how to properly throw it. I mean, it's not like, you know, like we think we pick up a Frisbee, we flip mm-hmm. it. It's just not the same. It's, apparently, it's completely, yeah. uh, apparently not. Yeah. So. Disc golf. I mean, there's putters and drivers and all sorts of different types hmm. of discs that, uh, you know, if you don't know, 
You know, it's, it's kind and of I interesting. I didn't know that, so you yeah. yeah. may have to uh, check that out yeah. on the uh, 12th of September. And then pickleball at Riverside uh, on the 27th here again is something that we've probably all heard of, but maybe we haven't tried. It's like disc golf. We've all right. heard of it, but maybe haven't tried it. Pickleball, kind of the same thing. Exactly. Yeah, pickleball is definitely a growing sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think more so even as the baby boomers are retiring, right. it's, it's becoming even more popular. You know, we I, I thought this was uh, really interesting. Just a, a, a quick uh, story. Last summer, um, my wife and I were in... Uh, uh, Minneapolis, or uh, I'm sorry, Milwaukee, uh, for a friend's wedding. Yeah. And uh, so we're walking around the city downtown and, and all of that. Pickleball courts popping up everywhere. Yeah. And I know pickleball is something that started with the, the senior set yes. and has really become very popular with younger players. It is. Yeah. And I, and, you know, I liken it to uh, when I was a kid, uh, shuffleboard. You know, it was something yeah. I could do with my grandparents, mm, you know, yeah. because we, we were yeah. able to do it. They were still physically able to do it. Sure. And, you know, people people are getting more healthy, for one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so they're looking for exercises that they can do into extended years. Yeah. And pickleball is a great activity. It's a I little like less yeah. stress on it, a little slower pace than, than tennis is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it still gets you out, gets you moving. And it is something that's easy to, to Inter- learn and yeah. to teach the younger generation. Mm-hmm. And so it's that intergenerational, intergenerational game. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, if you've never done it before, this is the perfect opportunity. Those are uh, the events coming up in September. Now, again, we threw a lot of uh, stuff at, at folks. But you have uh, all of this information on your website, right? Yes, all of this is on uh, the city of Finley's website. So if you go to uh, finleyohio.gov. Uh, and look up the Parks and Recreation page. Mm-hmm. Uh, that schedule is posted there. Uh, we also post information out on our different social media platforms, uh, Finley Recreation on Facebook, uh, social or uh, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, so. so all of those events uh, are absolutely free. Yes. They're open to all ages, yes. uh, all family, individuals, families, whoever wants to come out. Yes. And uh, they're all, what, in the evening, right? Yeah, the, all of these are, are scheduled in the evening. Uh, we tried a few during the day last year and just with you know people's busy schedules sure. they, they weren't able to attend as much um so went back to just the evenings uh, after you know and tried to hit on some different days of the week you know that way if right if you have kids that are in baseball on mondays and wednesdays sure. maybe they can hit one that's on on a tuesday or, yeah you know things like that so trying to change it up a little bit where we have some on certain days some on the others well it's a little cooler in the uh, in the evening too yes. uh, so everything starts at six o'clock mm-hmm. and uh on all of these days just a tremendous Again, opportunity for people to get out, get active, maybe discover something new uh, that they haven't tried before, have some fun with the community, discover all the parks. Yes. And and again, a lot of these things can be done pretty much anywhere. So. Yes. Yeah, they really can. So, you know, our hope is, is that we can show them, hey, here's a fun new thing that you've never seen before. Exactly. And, uh, you know, find that, oh, hey, we really do like this. You know, we have, like I said, you know, disc golf's a great example. We mm-hmm. have that wonderful course. There's different, you know, Riverside has one. There's one in North Baltimore. There's a great big one in Macomb that they keep adding holes to. Uh, you know, obviously, Finley is my passion, but, you know, we have great things throughout all of our sure. Hancock County that we want to see, see people use, too. You know, the ultimate goal is keep active and keep healthy. The, the name says it all. Exactly. So uh, We've got the link up on our webpage for more information about all of these uh, summer events. If you're looking for something to do, the other, the other part of this is, you know, on those days when the kids are starting to, you get the I'm boards. Yes. You know, after, yes. after the kids have been out for a while, you get the I'm boards. Well, here's something that you can do. Absolutely. And uh, again, we've got the link up at uh, goodmornings.net. Again, recreational manager Lisa Mansfield with us. Uh, the City of Finley uh, Parks and Recreation Department to Keep Active, Keep Healthy program. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you. 20 years of making mornings good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. As you might expect, after a long weekend away, we have a full collection of broken news this morning. Did you hear about the uh, big cheese rolling race in England? This is an annual event where they basically toss giant wheels of cheese off the side of a hill. 
They're rolling down the like the 600-foot hill, and then people chase after the giant rolls of cheese uh, with the winner, <laughs> the winner getting to take home the cheese. They've been doing this since the early 1800s in Brockworth, England, and I don't want to hear anyone in Great Britain make fun of anything that we do in America after... Because anytime that I hear uh, any anyone from England kind of mock any of our traditions, I point them directly at the cheese rolling contest. The winner of the women's race, um, <laughs> 19-year-old woman from Canada, did not actually find out that she won until she regained consciousness in the medical tent after the race. The winner, the annual cheese rolling contest, not actually um, conscious to claim her victory after catapulting herself uh, down the hill in Brockworth, England. Uh, Apparently, she uh, fell, as most racers do, 600 feet uh, down this hill. And uh, people fall, they break bones. She was actually knocked unconscious, but she won. Cheese rolling contest. So, Just wanted to make sure that you... uh, Knew that. Speaking of overseas contests, things, the husband of the runner up in a Brazilian beauty pageant stormed the stage and smashed the winner's crown because he was upset that his wife placed second. <laughs> Again, uh, I, I'm thinking the Will Smith slap. <laughs> seems rather mild as compared to this. According to the uh, the report here, man stormed the stage of the Miss Gemato Grosso pageant, snatching the crown, the tiara, just as officials were placing it on the winner's head. Um, Malone, Maloney Heinish, one of the organizers of the pageant, vehemently condemned the man's behavior following the incident on Saturday. Um, Apparently, he did it because he did not consider the result of the pageant to be fair. And um, they said he caused all this convenience and damage. In a statement, organizers said they would be taking legal action and congratulated Emanuele Bellini for winning the contest. Fair and square. (laughs) Stormed the stage. And smashed the winner's crown because his wife finished second. <clears throat> All righty then. Uh, there's always something weird going on in Florida. In this case, Wilton Manors, Florida, the uh, place where a 14-foot bunny sculpture being showcased at a local park was vandalized by an enraged man with his car. The police report indicated the man bulldozed into the piece of metallic blue community art uh, in a fury and then sped off. The destructive hit-and-run in which nobody was seriously injured, so that's good news. Um, But the 49-year-old man, whose name is not given in the report, 49-year-old man is now in jail pending three counts of criminal mischief for damaging the 14-foot bunny sculpture. Man, and I was going to go see that this weekend, too. It's, it's one of my bucket list things. Now, whatever will we do? Uh, speaking of bulldozing through places where you a man is behind bars after he allegedly took a stolen bulldozer on a destructive joyride through the campus of Virginia State University... Police say the 27-year-old suspect, again, name not given in the report, 27-year-old suspect stole a bulldozer from a construction site near the university's multi-purpose center over the weekend, rammed into a university police car, uh, also rammed a building on campus, parking signs, light poles, trees, and a nearby church. Now, that'll get you into trouble on a whole different level. You know what I mean? That's At one point... He actually pushed the university police car across the street, causing it to flip on its side. The suspect eventually arrested and is being held without bond. 
right? <laughs> All kinds of weird things going on. People were in rare form this Memorial Day weekend. Um, sometimes you don't have to go very far to find the broken news. A little closer to home. A Central Ohio Transit Authority bus driver is facing charges after he allegedly beat a man who fell asleep on his bus in Columbus. <laughs> no napping! <laughs> uh, the incident happened when a 63-year-old man fell asleep on the bus, missed his stop, and then allegedly asked the driver for directions. Uh, the driver, Jaleel Palmer, declined to offer directions which led to the man cursing at him, which led to the altercation, which actually happened outside the bus. Uh, security footage from a camera on the bus shows Mr. Palmer punching the man to the ground and then kicking him repeatedly because he fell asleep, didn't know where he was, and he just wanted directions. <clears throat> I'm thinking Mr. Palmer needs to go and undergo anger management classes here. Uh, he will be arraigned June 9th charges. Uh, in Memphis, a man facing charges after he told police officers he worked in law enforcement. See, here's the thing. Wyatt Sachs was pulled over for a traffic stop after going through a red light, uh, on Monday. He reportedly told officers that he worked for the Collierville Police Department, which was not true. He tried to get out of the ticket by claiming he was a fellow uh, law enforcement officer. He was not. Uh, officers say Mr. Sachs, when he was called on it, became uncooperative. Uh, he was uh, ch charged, uh, he was taken into custody on charges of criminal impersonation, driving on a suspended license, speeding, and more. He <laughs> will try anything to get out of a ticket. Golly. Uh, let's see. And a couple more from the international file, the broken news. A hapless crook in Vancouver, British Columbia, found himself in a brush with the law after attempting to snatch $2,100 of toothpaste. <laughs> of all the things to steal, $2,000 in toothpaste. Now, here's the scene. Officers minding their own business near the superstore where this happened in Vancouver witnessed a man sprinting out of the emergency exit. And they thought, well, maybe something's going on. We should investigate further. So they began pursuing the uh, individual. Well, actually, uh, the, the police who witnessed it said the man rushed out of the emergency exit, sprinted out the emergency exit. He was pursued by determined staff, loss prevention officers. So they go up running after the guy. They're thinking, hmm, something is not right here. Uh, according to the North Vancouver Royal Canadian Mountain, Mountain Police, they uh, said, talk about being at the right place at the right time. Officers jumped into action, arrested uh, the man, and returned $2,100 worth of toothpaste. <clears throat> he did not make a clean getaway, the cop said. Oh, that's bad. Did not make a clean getaway with the toothpaste. What were you going to do with $2,100 worth of toothpaste? You know, I mean, of all things to steal. And finally, in the uh, broken news uh, here this morning, in a classic case of smartphone obsession gone wrong, a government official in India found himself in deep trouble after he drained an entire reservoir to rescue the smartphone he dropped while taking a selfie. <laughs> Apparently, uh, he was uh, just vacationing. He was taking a little time off, uh, boating on the reservoir, went to take a selfie, dropped his phone into the reservoir, ordered divers, uh, you know, the state, uh, I guess, uh, Water Department or Parks Department, whatever, ordered divers to try and recover it. When they couldn't find it, he ordered the entire reservoir drained. Obviously, that didn't sit very well with the uh, with the people <laughs> locally. Uh, he justified it by saying that there was a very sensitive government information on his smartphone. 
Obviously, he's not as smart as his smartphone. Uh, the whole thing was for naught. They did recover a smartphone, but of course, it was it was destroyed. It was dead because it was underwater for so long. So it was no big deal. Somebody's got some splaining to do. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. The odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. When you're behind the wheel, it's okay to rock out to your music, but it's not okay to interact with your phone screen and electronic devices while driving. In most cases, anything more than a single touch or swipe is against the law. That means no texting, no typing, no scrolling, no shopping, no browsing. If an officer sees a violation, they can pull you over. So remember, Ohio, phones down. It's the law. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. You remember when you were a kid in school and the you get into the first uh, really nice days of spring uh, after the weather breaks and you start looking forward to the end of school. You get that summer fever where you couldn't really concentrate. You couldn't really focus anymore. Well, according to a new survey, that's something that we don't grow out of. <laughs> 26% of adults who took part in a recent poll say that they start getting into that summer feeling long before summer actually arrives. They're actually ready in April. <laughs> 54% of the 2,000 American adults, uh, American adults surveyed say that they are either very or extremely excited for the start of summer and all that brings, all that comes along with it. Cookouts are the number one thing that we look forward to. More than 40% say they plan to eat outside. Nearly 60% say they wish they could do it all year round, which obviously in Ohio is a little bit difficult. If you live someplace down south, maybe you can. I don't know. By the way, it should be mentioned that this survey was commissioned by Chinet. So, you know, you know the paper plate company and you know all of that. So that's why they look at cookouts. Uh, 68% say that they are likely to attend more gatherings with friends and loved ones this summer, whether it be for backyard barbecues or pool parties or even weddings, things like that. Uh, with respect to cooking out, though, and again, this is a Chinette survey, so that has something to do with it. Uh, they say they expect to attend at least five such gatherings. 77% look forward to the burgers from the grill. Uh, 72% say hot dogs on the grill. Got to have hot dogs. 65 say chicken on the grill is a must. 62% say ribs, the be-all and end-all of the backyard barbecue. 32% say they prefer a hot dog off the grill in the summer over a traditional Thanksgiving feast, even. I don't know if I'd go that far. Oh, lots happening around town. And uh, joining us this morning in the studio, Sarah Sisser from the Hancock Historical Museum, talking about June happenings from country barns to city charm. Uh, oh, I love that. Just on the fly, you came you up go. with that. Okay. Uh, well, maybe not quite on the fly, but, you know, okay. <laughs> no, uh, the, the Brown Bag Lunch Lecture, uh, which is uh, always first Thursday of the month, which is tomorrow because it's the first Thursday. Yep. Hard to believe it's in, we're into June already. Um, it, I mean, this is a topic that is near and dear to your heart. That is true. I think I'm slowly becoming uh, at least Finley, Hancock County's barn lady. I don't know about Ohio's <laughs> barn lady, but um, I really have this love for the old timber framed barns. And we, I suppose it's better to be known as the barn lady than like the crazy cat lady. That's so true. That's, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> Maybe just a little anyway. bit better. Um, yeah. So I've developed this love for these old barns and I actually serve on a state board called Friends of Ohio Barns and help to plan the annual Ohio Barn Conference. Mm -hmm. Of course, we have those wonderful historic barn tours that we do every other year here in Hancock County. Right. Tomorrow we have with us Dr. Robert Kroger and he is an artist um, from Cincinnati, Ohio. And he's a retired dentist, and in his retirement, he took up this 
um, hobby of painting old barns in every county in Ohio. Now, physically painting the barns or doing paintings of the barns? Doing paintings of the barns. barns. Yeah, good distinction. Yeah, Yeah. doing paintings of the barns. Um, And so part of that, he loved to get the story of those barns and talk to the owners. And Mm -hmm. then he would do beautiful oil paintings of these barns. Um, And he created a book. He accomplished his goal of going to all 88 counties. He created a book that we had, um, we still have available for sale. And he came um, two years ago now to sign that book and, and talk to us a little bit about that project. He then sort of expanded his horizons and started looking at round barns, which are pretty rare. Um, in octagonal barns. And there aren't too many in Ohio, but there are some scattered throughout the United States. So he sort of um, went past the borders of Ohio and started Mm. looking at round barns throughout the country and now has a new book uh, about round barns of America. Mm. And uh, of course, has done beautiful paintings of each one of those as well. So uh, since you are the barn lady, (laughs) uh, what is what is the different? What is the significance of a round bar? Why? Why would a round and this will be much more on this at the brown bag lunch lecture? Um, but what was the main purpose for a round barn as opposed to just a conventional barn? Sure. Well, more space, of course. And so you see sort of the development of barns where we went from having just a a plain gable roof to Mm -hmm. those gambrel roofs that you see. Um, and that was to create more space for hay. And so a round barn would even give you more space for Hmm. livestock. Um, of course there's also, the thought that sharp corners in any barn or structure um, could potentially harm livestock. So you see hmm. some um, things that, that craftsmen did to make sure that they um, sort of flatten some of those sharp corners. So, Interesting. Um, but also just really a feat of engineering um, and, and craftsmanship. And oftentimes we see that barns were really um, bragging rights for so farmers. So they were just so kind of cool. They were very cool. Yeah, very go. special and unique. And so if you had a spectacular barn even a round barn that really gave you bragging rights in the county. Uh-huh. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Um, and, and that's interesting that there aren't that many of them out there because I think we've all probably seen a round barn because they are out there, yeah. but I've never really stopped to think about how rare they are. Yeah. Then so. they're special. And um, of course, every, all the old barns, all the timber frame barns are disappearing at a pretty phenomenal rate. Um, mm-hmm. They are difficult to maintain. They aren't um, always practical anymore for the farm. They don't hold some of the larger machinery. Yeah. And so it's just a great deal of stewardship to be able to maintain them. The same for those round barns. It takes a lot of time, effort, um, a labor of love to maintain them. Yeah. Um, and then many of them have been repurposed as well, which is, you know, kind of the fun part about barns in general. Yes, I'm- absolutely. Some of them are being dismantled and rebuilt in other parts of the countries as beautiful homes. Um, some of them are being reused, adapted on site and being used as event venues and things like yeah. that. All kinds of uh, cool stuff. So that'll be a really fascinating uh, brown bag uh, tomorrow. And that, again, is at noon, right? Right. And we always encourage people to come just a little bit early to make sure you get a good seat. And Dr. Kroger will have that Round Barns of America book available for purchase, and he will sign them if you like. Very good. Uh, Now, coming up a little bit later uh, in the month of June is uh, another uh, taste of... Uh, tour. You've done these in the past. We have. This has become a real um, summer tradition for us, a favorite event for me. Um, we started doing this several years ago with a trip to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, we we started doing these trips um, based on the way that I enjoy traveling, which is to kind of eat my <laughs> way through the city and um, learn a little bit more about the history of the city through through a culinary experience and also to look at beautiful architecture. You know, that's what Mm -hmm. um, inspires me and some of these um, great cities. So we have done just about every city within a day's driving distance of Finley. And um, this year we will be going to Canton. And last year we did Akron. So we're sort of doing the sister city this year. Okay. Um, And it should be a great experience. We already have many people signed up um, and you can get more information on our website. Um, just a full a full day with a lot of food and a lot of great architecture and history. <laughs> full in terms of all of the stuff that you've got planned and full tummies. Tummy, yeah, well. you absolutely will not come home hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, folks can uh, reserve your spot on the uh, website, you right? You can, HancockHistoricalMuseum.org or stop in or call us. The date of the trip is June 14th and that will be a full day. We'll leave bright and early and come back. Uh, relatively late and uh don't wait until the last minute because last because there are only so many seats on the bus absolutely so. and we have a lot of regulars that do these trips with us which has been a lot of fun and um we have quite a quite a few already signed up as a matter of fact it was funny because uh knowing that you were going to be here uh 
today, yep. yesterday, I was checking to make sure that there were still tickets yes. <laughs> uh, that, that were available because they do sell out very quickly. So it's a fun uh, time. You can get them now, uh, but get them sooner rather than later. And speaking of tickets that may be hard to come by, this is actually coming up in July, but want to mention it today because uh, this, I would imagine, is going to be pretty popular as well. Yes, it is already proving to be pretty popular. This is going to be so much fun on July 29th. Um, we have been teaming up with Judge Reg Routson for the last few years to document the history of the 1960s rock and roll bands, local um, and the venues that in which they played. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a great exhibit at the museum that has been up for a couple of years um, documenting some of that history. And we've done oral histories, interviewed some of the band members that are now scattered throughout the country. Country, we decided that this really lent itself well to a concert. So we are taking this Finley Rocks the 60s exhibit and going live at the MCPA main stage on July 29th. We will have many of the surviving band members that will be coming again from all over the country to play. Um, we'll be sort of doing a journey through the decade um, and talking about the history as it relates to Finley and um, lots of great covers that we'll be playing and we'll be sort of navigating the history um, your tour guide will be Big Dave Crosser, um, whose father I think is also going to be playing because he was in a sixty a, a rock band here locally That's in the sixties. Awesome. So it's going to be so much fun, intergenerational. I'll, I know a lot of people will. It'll be nostalgic for them. We'll remember these bands and mm-hmm. the venues. And so we hope you'll come out and join us. Tickets are just twenty five dollars. You can choose your seats on MCPA's website. They're available now, and they are selling pretty well. So yeah. get them now. Yeah, more more seats than on the bus, but yes. one that will. Uh, <laughs> Again, probably sell out. I would, I would think. This I hope is, so. Yeah, it's just, it's going to be a good, yeah, good show. It is, and and Red Routes and has put so much love into this yeah. and time, and um, it's it's just been a lot of fun to work with him on this, and um, and thanks to MCPA as well for collaborating, and a big thanks to Larich, uh, Chevrolet, and Cadillac because they're helping to sponsor us this event and of course a lot of great history there too with yeah. chevys of the 60s <laughs> <laughs> which may weave itself into that in some we're gonna way, try that evening yes. yeah um so now those tickets are at the marathon center's website that's right? correct we have a link on our website as well but if you go to mcpa.org you'll be able to okay. pick up your tickets there very good so lots of things coming up uh over the next several weeks uh the hancock historical museum again brown bag lunch lecture uh, tomorrow and the uh, Taste of Canton tour coming up in mid-June. We've got a link up at our webpage for more info on all of that. Sarah Sister, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you, And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program with kids out of school for the summer. Going to be out playing in the neighborhood, riding their bikes. Want to make sure that they know the rules of the road. We have details on the annual Finley Police Department Bicycle Rodeo. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.